Good morning, guys. Good to be here with you. Um, I actually got less sleep since we're on that daylight savings time thing. Your kids don't realize that the time falls back. So my son was up at 4.15 this morning or something like that. So if I say anything that's out of line, it's his fault, is basically what I'm saying. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Drew Stevenson. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to talk to you guys this morning. If you were to hang around me for any length of time, you would probably hear one of these two phrases come out of my mouth. Um, one of them is that we are standing under the waterfall of God's grace and we're trying to catch it in a Dixie cup. And the reason that I say that is because one of my spiritual mentors has said that to me so many times that I've actually started to believe it. And the other one is that there's a lot of people who pray more than we do and who read their Bibles more than we do and who fast more than we do and even who love Jesus more than we do, but they never get to see the things that we get to see. And I say that also because a, a guy who um, I, I love and know has influenced me with that. But I think, here's the thing, you put those two things together and you get the power of living in the kingdom of God. And what you have on the one hand with the, you know, there's people who read the Bible more than we do and pray more than we do and all that, is you're basically acknowledging like you're a spiritual loser, right? Like I'm not very good at this Christianity thing. I've tried hard and there's parts of it that have worked out and there's parts of it that, to be honest, I'm just not very good at. And the waterfall thing, what that acknowledges is that it's all a gift. It's all God's grace. To be part of his kingdom is God's work. And you see this all over the Bible. It's just everywhere. It's hidden in plain sight. And so what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at these three different parables, sort of illustrations of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And we're going to see this big idea running all the way through it, that God's kingdom is for spiritual losers. It's good news. It's amazing. If you feel like a screw-up this morning, this message is for you. And we're going to look at three ways for spiritual losers to receive the kingdom of God. For those of us who can't get our stuff together, if Jesus were to sit down with us this morning, these are the three things he would say to us for us to pro progress in our spiritual life. The first one is pay attention. So we're walking through the Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 4. We're starting with verse 21. It says this, And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now what Jesus is saying in this passage is not immediately obvious. But he starts off by talking about a lamp. And he says, you don't 
put it in a basket or hide it under a bed. If you're going to get a lamp, the purpose for getting a lamp is that you would put it on the stand so that it would give light to your whole house. And that day, a lamp was like this big. They didn't have electricity. I don't know if you knew this 2,000 years ago. And so they put oil in a lamp and they lit it in a wick and it burned and it would light up the whole house. He says, okay, you buy a lamp for a specific purpose and that purpose is to give light to the place where you live. And then he uses that as sort of an analogy that runs through this whole thing. And he says, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Now he's talking about something a little bit different. He's actually talking about his ministry. And he's answering the question that people have been asking, like, why are you being so vague with the things that you're saying? Why does it seem like you're holding on to a secret? And Jesus has even said throughout the Gospel of Mark, he said the secret of the kingdom of God over and over again. So people are sort of leaning in. And he's explaining to them why he's been sort of veiled and sort of hiding from them exactly what this secret is. He's essentially saying, you know, there might be a period of time if you bought a lamp that you would put it in a basket or that you would put it under a bed. But the purpose of putting it in a basket or putting it in under a bed would be to at some point get it out to use it for its express purpose. But there's something Jesus is saying about concealing a light for a period of time that when you decide to bring that light out, the glory of its brightness is even greater. So Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this secret of the kingdom so that actually you pay attention to my ministry in a different way. Let me share with you how this works with my kids, okay? I love to tell secrets to my kids. It's so much fun. And there's basically different stages that I take in the secret telling process with my kids. The first stage is the hint, right? So I'll hint to all of them, like, hey guys, we're going to do something really fun. And the kids are like, what are we going to do? What, what is going to happen? And then usually what I do is I say, okay, you got to clean up before you find out more. And then I pull one of them in a little bit later. And I'm like, do you want to hear a secret? And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, we're going to go to the playground, but you can't tell anyone. And like their eyes light up because they love being the one who has the secret. So then that kid will go to the rest of my kids and they'll be like, I know something that you don't know about what we're going to do next. <laughs> and then it creates this buzz. Like everybody's like, oh my goodness, right? Oh my goodness. And then like I save the reveal for exactly what we're going to do until I want the kids to get into the van because that's not always easy. So I'll say, hey, when you guys get your seatbelts buckled, you're in the van, you got your shoes on, you got your coats on, that's what I'm going to reveal. And I'm like, guys, we are going to the biggest playground in the Twin Cities. My kids are like, yes, this is amazing. But here's what happens. The stages of revealing the secret pull them in. They pay greater and greater attention because of the way that I reveal to them what I'm trying to bring to light. And what Jesus is saying is, hey guys, pay attention. 
this is a significant moment. I want you guys to hear what I'm saying. I want you to understand what the secret of the kingdom is. And if you're going to do that, you need to understand what I'm doing now. And so up until this point, Jesus' entire ministry has in a way been veiled, right? He was born in a stable. He came as a baby. You can't get any more veiled than that, than having fat rolls and giggling and not being able to talk, right? So God hid himself in baby form. And then Jesus became a boy and he spent most of his life up until this point working as a poor Galilean carpenter. And now, just for a few months, he's come out and he is in public ministry. And over time, he's slowly been revealing what his secret is. And he wants those there with him paying attention. And he also wants us to be paying attention to what the secret is. Because the interesting thing about the secret is that it's pretty obvious what it is. If you've been paying attention through the Gospel of Mark, you're catching different pieces of it. Let me give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what you see there is that the secret involves acknowledging our sin and believing in good news. Jesus even says the kingdom of God is at hand. He's insinuating that he is the king of the universe. Next one, Mark 1.17. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Remember who he says this to? He just walks up to the shore of a lake, and there's fishermen out on a boat, and he just yells to these guys and says, hey guys, I want you guys to be my followers. Some of the biggest lowlifes in that society, not the spiritual elite, the spiritual losers, he calls them to follow him. Mark 2, verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. In that day, it was believed that if you were paralyzed, it was because of some specific sin that you committed and that you were dirty, you were an outcast, you were just unworthy. And Jesus is saying, these are the type of people that I came to not only heal them physically, but forgive their sin. Mark 2.14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. You thought it was bad that Jesus called fishermen. He's calling tax collectors. This would be the equivalent of being in the mafia today. He's saying, I want guys like that to follow me. Not only low lives, but just scoundrels, awful people. Come follow me. In fact, the, the Pharisees are asking him this question. Mark 2, 16 through 17. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Could it be more plain than that? Jesus is pulling us in. He wants us to pay attention. He wants us to see the subtleties of what he's revealing in the scripture. You cannot at this point, having heard this much of the gospel of Mark, even having heard this much of this sermon, you cannot believe that the way that you come to Jesus is by cleaning your act up. He won't let you get away with just putting him in this religious category. Let's keep going. 
couple more. Mark 3.28, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. Wow. Really doesn't seem like you need many qualifications to be part of the kingdom of God, does it? Mark 4.11, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Again, he's talking to his disciples, a ragtag bunch, and he's saying, the secret of the kingdom of God is for you. Let me summarize this. The kingdom of God is for spiritual losers. That's the secret. Jesus did not come to call cleaned up religious folks to himself. He came to call people like you and me. People with real sin, who can't get their stuff together, who can't keep a quiet time, who have trouble praying, who don't really want to come to church sometimes, for people who get distracted by other things, the secret, what Jesus wants you to be paying attention to, is that you can come to him as you are. It's the most subtle thing. It's the most glorious thing. It's the most amazing thing. And Jesus is so concerned that his disciples get it, and he's so concerned that we get it, that he's taking his time to reveal it. And he's asking you, if you're going to get this, pay attention. Don't read the Bible on the surface. Read below the surface. Don't read with your cultural religion goggles on. Read what's actually in the Bible and you will see something glorious. You'll see something amazing. Here's what Jesus says next. He moves from sort of, okay, pay attention to this message and then he sort of helps us move out of that. He's saying, okay, you get the secret. You begin to understand that this kingdom is for spiritual losers and you'll want to move this message outward. You want to tell other people about it because it's such good news. It's so amazing that you'll actually have to tell somebody about it. But as you begin to tell other people about it, you might begin once again to think that it's all on you. That you have to be sort of this spiritual elite evangelist person to be an ambassador for Jesus. And he says, wait, 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 wait. I want you to do this like a farmer. And here's something that's very clear about farmers. They sleep well. Okay, point number two. If we're going to receive the kingdom of God like spiritual losers, we have to sleep well. Mark 4, 26 through 29. I'll show you that it's actually in the Bible. I didn't make this up. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Okay, this one's a little bit easier to understand. Basically, the background info you need, I mean, Jordan did a great job. You could listen to Jordan's message about um, the parable of the sower because this is kind of the same thing. But essentially, the way that you planted a, a field back then is they didn't have tractors and combines and all those kind of things. So you'd just get basically a satchel and you'd fill it up with a bunch of seed and there'd just be a big field and you just grab a handful of seeds and maybe you kind of tilled up the soil a little bit and you just walk through the, the field and you just toss the seed out. You just toss it. You just toss it. 
You just toss it. And then you go and you take a nap. And you take enough naps and pretty soon there's some plants growing. Like this is really simple stuff, right? This is not hard to understand. And you know what Jesus is saying? You don't even have to be a botanist to be a farmer. Like you don't have to know anything about how plants grow. You just throw the seed. You just have to know the basic information like the seed hits the dirt. I'll wait a while. The seed's going to grow. Right? We make this whole like evangelism thing. Evangelism just means sharing your faith with other people. We make it way too complicated. Right? And you know, I love that Jesus talks about the seed because I think sometimes we, instead of doing seed evangelism, we do softball evangelism, right? It's like, I'm just going to take a softball and, you know, we're just going to wait for pedestrians to sort of walk by and it's like, funk, boom. You know, this is the guy with the bullhorn or whatever. And it's like, man, I, last time I remember, like Jesus said a seed. Like a seed is like barely recognizable. And you know, you, you might not even notice that it's there. But the important thing is not who's throwing the seed or how good of an arm they have or anything like that. It's just that, like, you understand that you throw a seed and it, it produces a crop. You know, the life is in the seed. I think Jesus is reminding us here, by the way, the seed is the word of God. It's just the gospel. It's this message that Jesus came for broken, messed up people. And this is all moving us toward the cross where Jesus is going to die for the sins of the whole world. In any way, shape, or form, you can share that message. What you're doing is you're scattering the seed. Here's the other thing I want to notice about this. Jesus doesn't say anything about praying. You notice that? He doesn't say, just pray really, really, really hard for the people in your life to come to know Jesus. Do you know what that would be like? That would be like going up to a field and you've got your satchel with the seeds in it and you're like, hey, here's the thing. This is what I know about farming. I can't make seeds grow. So you kneel next to the field and you pray for God to grow crops. Think that's gonna work? No. I think God's gonna laugh at you. Do you know why? Because you have to plant the seed for God to grow the crop. That's how it works. You know, you got people in your life who don't know Jesus and you've been praying for them. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Stop praying. Plant some seeds. Talk to them about the gospel. The power is in the message of the cross. Do I not believe in prayer? No, I think prayer is great. I'm overstating it a little bit, right? But what I'm saying is plant the seed. God is going to bring the growth. He doesn't say pray. What does he say? Sleep. Here, here's what happens. If you will plant seeds, you're going to sleep well. Because whenever you walk in obedience to Jesus, there's just tremendous freedom in that. And so there might be a couple reasons you're not sleeping. One reason you're not sleeping is because you're not planting the seeds. Right? You're just not planting the seed, so you're worried about everybody around you, and you're worried that they're not going to come to faith, and you're worried that they're going to hell, and all those types of things. And so you're like, hey, you know, I'm not sleeping. Right? The other reason you might not be sleeping is you have scattered seeds, but now 
you think it's up to you to make them grow, right? And so you're like the farmer who's like, he's, he's getting up from his bed, he's got his robe on, he's going out next to the field, and he's like looking out on the field, and he's like standing by it, and he's like, grow, 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 grow. And his wife's like, go back to bed, just sleep. It's gonna grow. And he's like, grow, come on let's grow. And he's just all stressed out about it. You know what the truth is? Every person that I've ever met he's, who's a good evangelist has low blood pressure. They're kind of chilling out. Right? It's like, I'm just going to let God do his thing. I'm going to let him do his work. I'm not going to get too worked up about it. Okay, let me tell you a story just to help this sink in. So let me tell you about my grandpa, grandpa Don. So my grandpa Don was a farmer was a farmer until he was 67. And, you know, so he'd plant the fields. And, and my grandpa really put this, this into practice. I remember sitting in his living room with him. And he had one of those old school TVs that didn't even have a remote. And so we'd go turn the TV on and leave it on one channel. And then we'd all be sitting there. And you'd be mid-conversation with my grandpa. And he would fall asleep. Just fall asleep. He's a narcoleptic farmer. Narpo, yeah, he had narcolepsy, I think. And so he just, and I thought he was joking as a kid. And I'd just be sitting there and be like, hey, Grandpa, so how's life? And he'd just fall asleep right in his recliner, right there. Do you know why? Well, probably a lot of reasons. He probably had some health issues. But one of them was he, he, uh, he'd planted his field, and he wasn't worried about it. There was nothing else that he could do. He's waiting for it to grow. You know, he'd put the work in. It's done. He's sleeping. That, that's the way I think we should think about it. I think this text comes at a really important time in the life of our church because for those of you who don't know, a lot of us have moved in from Iowa to help get this church started and some of us have just jumped in and, and want to be a part of this. And, and I think, you know, maybe we're asking the question like, okay, how do we start to see a bunch of college students, a bunch of community people come to know Jesus. Like, how do we get a lot of baptisms? And my encouragement to you is just think about how you can plant a seed. Like, when's the last time that you just took an opportunity to share the word of God with somebody? So whenever you, you got a you know, sermon on, this, on, on your mind like this, you got to share the gospel with somebody or at least try, right, so that you have a story to tell. So I got my hair cut this week. I'm sitting there and I'm at Great Clips, you know, getting the... 999 haircut. And uh, the, the gal who's cutting my hair, this is a question I, I normally ask. I just ask, like, what's your spiritual background? To be honest, this lady, I don't think this was like soft, fertile soil or anything like that. Like it was, you know, maybe a little bit rocky. And she talked about how she used to go to church, but she didn't have time to go to church anymore because she works at Great Cliffs and she works on Sundays and all that. But here's the thing. That's all that God asked me to do. They just sow a seed. I don't have some like magic seed because I'm a pastor. You know, we all got the same seed. It's just the seed of the gospel. And it's this amazing message. And what we'll get to see if we will just take these steps of faith in the normal rhythms of our life is we're going to get to see fruit because God is going to bring the growth. And this sort of brings us to the next parable here where Jesus, in that parable, I think the emphasis is sort of just, hey, just so broadly, right? Share the gospel with as many people as you can. 
And I think this last story, it really pulls us in and calls us to dream big. Mark chapter 4, 30 through 34. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. So now, he's not talking broadly about seeds, he's talking about one seed. And Jesus is talking about the smallest of all the seeds, the mustard seed. It's really, really tiny. Like if I had one, I could pretend that I have one in my hand, it's that small, right? There's a mustard seed in my hand, you can't even see it, it's so small. And, um, and here's what Jesus is saying. You take a mustard seed, and apparently you plant a mustard seed in the ground, and what happens is there is this enormous tree. Now, apparently birds in that day loved mustard seeds, and so if you throw a mustard seed on the ground, maybe a bird would come and take the seed away. But Jesus is saying if that mustard seed gets planted in the ground, it's going to produce a tree so big that there's going to be birds perched in all of its branches. And here's what he's pulling. It's a really simple story. If you're a parent, tell it to your kids. I think they would would love it and they'll understand it. Here's what he's saying. When the seed of the gospel lands in somebody's life whose heart is characterized by good soil, which we don't control, by the way. We can't control how somebody responds to the gospel. But if we will faithfully sow these seeds, what will happen if somebody gets it is beyond our wildest imagination. Jesus is saying we should be encouraged that sometimes you sow seeds and nothing happens. But what pushes us on, what gives us courage, what gives us faith is that God is going to do something beyond our wildest dreams. Jesus wants to pull us in and he wants us to begin to imagine how he could use our lives if we would just be faithful farmers. He wants to see for us what can be in the future of our lives if we'll trust him. Let me give you an example of what this could look like. So there was a student at the University of Iowa, the place where I last was, named Riley Veer. And Riley Veer went on a trip to China. And the purpose of the trip in China was to share the gospel with college students. And so he's in China, and he's sharing the gospel with college students. As far as I remember, I don't think he saw much fruit during his time there. He was scattering seed, and nothing much was happening. And over the course of the summer, I think their team saw a few people come to know Jesus, maybe not as many as they had hoped. But the hope, the dream for China, when the long-term missionaries went there, Riley was on a short-term trip, but for the long-term missionaries, was that a church would be planted in China to reach university students. A lot like this church, except in 
China, where there's a million college students in the city. And so it was kind of a, you know, one of those summers that, hey, it was good. We had a good time as a team. Maybe we didn't see as much fruit as we wanted or didn't take as many steps as we wanted. So Riley and the team are in a taxi, different taxis, and they're leaving China. And one of the students was standing on the sidewalk outside of the taxi. And Riley just yells out the window at this student, Jesus loves you. And what happened was that that student had never been told by anyone that anyone loved him. So he heard just this really small piece of this really good news. And it started growing. And pretty soon, he's getting baptized. Pretty soon, he's walking with Jesus. Pretty soon, he's leading other people to walk with Jesus. And today, that student is the pastor of that church in China. That's what the kingdom of God is like. You never know who that person that you are talking to is. And so what Jesus wants to encourage us to do is to receive the kingdom of God. Not as people who understand all the dynamics of spiritual botany, but as spiritual losers, people who don't get it. And so what you do when you don't get it is you just trust the person who does get it. Jesus says, pay attention, listen. This thing's for you. Share the message broadly. Share it with other people. And watch God do the work. Now here's the question I have to sort of close things up. How can we be sure that the seed will produce the growth? How can we be sure that this message of the gospel is that powerful? Well, instead of explaining the exact answer to that question, let me just share with you what this gospel message is. And as it resonates in your heart, I think you'll experience this power as I describe it. Mark chapter 10 43 through 45. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See what Jesus is saying here to his disciples. This is sort of what our passage is leading up to, the climax of the gospel of Mark, or one of them. And Jesus is saying, hey guys, don't worry about which one of you is the greatest. Here's the crazy good news, that God himself came to the earth not to be served by other people, but to be the ultimate servant. Jesus did not come to recruit spiritual superheroes. His purpose was to serve spiritual losers. He didn't come to be served by you. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need anybody's help. And that's because the primary mission for which Jesus came from, 
for was to give his life as a ransom for many. See, all this is leading us to Jesus hanging on the cross. That is the ultimate display of the light of the world. The message that we're all about here is that Jesus has done for us what we could never do for him. Jesus hung on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin. He was buried for three days, proving that he was really dead and that your sin was really done away with. And he is really and truly alive, meaning he has conquered Satan, sin, and death. Here's what that means. He can save anybody. Nobody is too far from Jesus to be saved by him. Let me speak to you right now. If you're one of those people who said, hey, I, I have not been to church in a while. Maybe I, you haven't even heard this message. My encouragement to you is that's the seed. That's the seed that we've been talking about. That's the secret of the kingdom of God. You are not too far. It doesn't take more Sunday's attendance. It doesn't take more Bible reading. It doesn't take more prayer. All it takes is for you to say, Jesus died for me. The only qualification for this whole Christianity thing is that you have to be a total loser when it comes to actually living this stuff out. And you can be saved. That's the good news. Let's pray. Jesus I, I never get tired of talking about the gospel. It's so awesome, so amazing. And that you actually entrust us as Christians to share that message with other people that you've received us by sheer grace. There's nothing we can do to earn being in your kingdom. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. Jesus, it's just beautiful to go back to the texts in Scripture that describe your life on this earth and just to see that you're out recruiting people like us, just ordinary people. God, would you help us as a church to be faithful? Give us eyes to see. Just put sentences in our mouth that haven't been there in a while to share with coworkers, neighbors, and friends. And would you bring a harvest? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.